Hello, 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 my friend. Welcome back to Leading Women in Tech. Can you believe we're done with month one of 2022 already? I certainly can't. I'm struggling with this one. <laughs> I was just planning out my February just before hitting record on this episode. And honestly, I'm like, where did January go? It's been a packed month over here at Team Tony. Uh, just to give you a little bit of an update, we've had a second launch of Lit Up Leisure Academy. So that was great fun. Doors are now officially closed, by the way. If you missed out and you want to join and you missed this time, then make sure you go to the waitlist, tonycollis.com forward slash academy. All you need to do is pop your email address in there. And all it means is that when doors open again, you will be the first to know. And bonus, because I like to reward people who are action takers, you will get exclusive opportunities such as discounts and bonuses that are only available to ladies on the waitlist. So if you aren't already on my waitlist, you are missing out, my love. So go over to tonycollis.com forward slash academy and get yourself on that waitlist. Okay. <laughs> I've also been growing my team over the last couple of months. And in December, I welcomed Casey onto my leadership team as my new OBM. That's online business manager for those of you not in the kind of world I'm in. <laughs> and during January, we've just been working heads down on expanding my team's responsibilities, really up leveling as a company so that Team Tony, that's everybody behind the scenes here, can do even more to uplift all women in tech because that's our mission as a company. And if you listen to this podcast, you are part of the community that I'm excited and honored to be supporting as a listener. I want to lift you up too, whether or not you work with me as a paid client or you just listen to this podcast, you are all so incredibly important to me. And we have so much coming your way this year. I can't wait to tell you all the things that we have planned. And really, January has been about putting in place all the pieces of the puzzle that are going to enable us to do so much more in the months to come. So despite thinking I'd have a, a nice calm start to the air, you know, we were doing a very soft launch for the academy because we only had a few spots. And I've hired Casey to take stuff off my plate. She's been super busy in all the right ways, though. So I'm actually really looking forward to month two, February, I'm taking a bit of a vacation this month for my wedding anniversary. I'm just really looking forward to slowing down again after a crazy, a bit of a crazy January. The other thing that seems to have happened this month is a number of extraordinary successes with both my one-on-one -on -one clients and members of the academy. We've had clients land new roles that have doubled their salary, several of them. That's amazing. <laughs> and because we are just in the midst of this crazy time when salaries are going through the roof, right? And I've also had academy members receiving amazing feedback on their interview technique and so much more. Like the winds are just coming left, right and center at the moment. And they're broad and varied. Some of my favorites, as you may well know, are the mindset wins, how we're feeling, taking town time. It isn't just about getting these big salary bumps and landing the new job, although of course I love it when that happens for everybody. And it's just been so incredible to watch all these amazing women step into their full potential and to be part of their journey. So just so good, which is actually what gave me the idea for today's podcast episode, which is about executive presence, as you might know from the title. I talk about executive presence a lot around here. You might have noticed that because it really does really, really matter. <laughs> I cannot say that enough. I didn't know it was such a big thing until somebody pointed out that I was quite good in my executive presence, but I was weak in certain areas. I was like, oh, oh, that's a thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I know so many women who come to me, they've been told to work on their executive presence or their gravitas or just their, you know, how they're showing up and they don't really understand what that means. But I also know for many of my clients, they're just feeling held back in some way. There's some sort of blocker. And 
I was just actually thinking through like what I would talk about in this episode. And I went back through some of my client conversations over the last two months. And some of the biggest transformations they've had have been the result of working on their executive presence. They might not have known at the time that's what they were working on, but whether it's down to how they're showing up for interview, they're constructing their answer interview, or even like how they're showing up online such that they land an interview, or maybe how they're showing up in their day job and what that means for how they interact with others. All of this is executive presence. So if you're wondering if executive presence is holding you up, I wanted to break down today what are some of the key things that you need to be looking out for rather than just having somebody say to you, you should work on your executive presence. Like let's actually break down, do some diagnostics so you can check in with yourself. So I have 11 things, I don't know why 11, that's just what came to me. (laughs) 11 things that I think we all need to be watching out for and they all contribute or are detrimental depending on which way you look at it towards your executive presence. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. So here we go. Number one, do you struggle to get agreement from your team, your peers, or your boss? This is one of the number one things I look at. So much of the time I see us struggling to get our idea across. And it's particularly pertinent when you have a peer who doesn't have to work as hard to get their ideas taken up, get funding, get budget, get a yes, whatever it is. It can be really, really frustrating. So if you're spending more time than you think you should be explaining yourself, attempt to get buy-in, it might not be you, it might be, but it might be your executive presence. Do you find you get shot down? Your ideas get shot down a lot. Do you get told basically to shut up? Maybe nicer phrase, but <laughs> essentially being told to shut up and go away. Do you find that you manage your team fine, but maybe not your peers? Your peers are always shutting you down. Um, does everyone question you all the time? Do you get more questions about your ideas than other people do? If you're struggling with any form of agreement, Uh, this may well be executive presence because even if everybody in the company does quite often there's one or two people who are the right hand of a key person we want to be that person we want to have that level of influence so if you are struggling with influence then that's something to be working on and that is executive presence number two you have lots of triggers or triggering people at work and spend every evening and weekend processing them. Maybe not every weekend and every evening, but like a lot. <laughs> this was definitely me for a while. My husband actually knew on a Tuesday on our drive home. At that point, we were working in a place where we, we shared the driving home every day. And he knew that on a Tuesday, he just had to be quiet because I needed to vent. <laughs> because I had a series of meetings on Tuesdays that just were so triggering. So if you find yourself constantly upset by certain people, by certain events, by certain meetings, that's a sign that you need to work in your executive presence. Now, I know that sounds like victim blaming, right? If you've got somebody who's really upsetting you, I want you to know this isn't necessarily because you're doing anything wrong, but because great executive presence allows you to emotionally let go of such triggering events. That that isn't to say you're never going to have any triggers, 
But what I want you to get to is the point where these things just kind of flow off you more easily. Because when you do that, you're actually going to show up differently and be more patient and be more creative in problem solving, which means actually these people are going to trigger you less as well anyway. There's a bit of a cycle going on here in this. And like I've seen this in myself and I see it in so many of my clients. I have a client right now where she's getting triggered a lot by passive aggressive comments. Not her fault, by the way. Like, Passive aggressiveness does not belong in the workplace, but it's there a lot of the time. So we've been putting in place tools and techniques to firstly enable her to see in the moment that was happening. That was really important to actually recognize that was going on because initially she was just upset a lot. And like, you know, and I encourage my clients to pop in Slack after something that's upset them and tell me about it, right? Just to offload, like get it out. (laughs) The number of my clients who say to me that actually having coaching has been beneficial to their marriage because they don't do that to their spouse anymore. It's quite funny. I'd say that about myself too. Um, I have a coach, as you probably know, if you've listened to this enough. (laughs) And I definitely have a better relationship with my husband as a result, because I don't offload on him as much. It doesn't mean I don't tell him things, but I don't complain at him as much. But basically with this client of mine, we were putting in place the actions to allow her in the moment to recognize that self-awareness as well. And then also to work through like, why was it triggering to her and kind of reset herself much more quickly so that she could be more patient in that moment and actually learn how to not let those things bother her as much. And it doesn't mean you're never going to be triggered ever again, but we want to get the number of things down. So especially, as I said, like there's something triggering you regularly, daily or weekly that needs honing and refining. That's executive presence. Number three, you find yourself falling into defensive mode a lot. So do you find yourself justifying a decision, backing up your ideas, saying, hey, that's actually not my fault because somebody pointed the blame? And it can feel very justified, right? Somebody else has thrown you under the bus. You want to protect yourself and your team. Here's the thing. As an executive, you don't need to defend yourself. And actually what we want to be doing is instead of falling in defensive mode, solve the problem. Be the person that solves the problem. Now this is super, super hard, especially when it feels unfair. And this is something I I would say every client has ever brought this kind of thing to me. It is super hard to move past from like, but this is fundamentally unfair into actually the way you solve this problem is not to point out how unfair it is. There were there a very, very small number of cases where I'd say that is useful, but very small numbers. Instead, be the person that always solves the problems. And actually, if you do that for long enough, and actually it doesn't take that long, typically a couple of weeks of being that person, depending on how regularly this is happening. If you do that for some period of time, the person who's throwing you under the bus regularly actually gets the reputation of being the problem person, not you. So this is really about moving into providing solutions instead of being that defensive person. You've heard me say it before, but be the solutions person and not the problems person. This is an art and it takes time and patience with yourself and with others. But when you crack this one, oh, holy moly, it opens so many doors. <laughs> okay, number four. Do you actively let go of your emotions between meetings and between work and home? If not, then there's work to do on executive presence. This is one I could talk about a lot. I could do a whole episode on this one. But if you don't actively decide to process emotions, you are taking them between events. If you don't take 30 seconds after you've signed off one Zoom call before you launch the other to decompress, you are taking your emotions between events. It just is. We're human, right? That is who we are and what we do. 
take 30 seconds to calm, decompress after you've had a crazy morning with the kids and you're about to go into your first meeting, decompress after a crazy day at work when you are going home so you have quality time with your family and you aren't taking out a bad work day on them. Build this into your routine so that the day you need it, it is just part of who you are. You always do this. If you're not doing it, you need to work on your executive presence. Number five, are you confident speaking up in front of people far more senior than you? Several times in my career, I've been called out for how I seem to just like talk to more senior people. And I've even had somebody tell me like, you really shouldn't be talking to them without our permission. I was like, really? I didn't think that was an issue. (laughs) Um, I can't remember like when this started. I know I had a reputation as a little tiny tot apparently of like walking up to random people and telling them what I thought. (laughs) My parents would have so much fun coming on with this podcast and telling you about that. (laughs) Um, And I remember in my first job actually, like I was working at a university and I had the opportunity to speak face to face with the principal of the university and I just treated him like a normal human being and I didn't understand what the huge deal that everybody was making was all about. And honestly, like as a result, he had a good, honest discussion with me. We hung out for like a good 20 minutes over some canapes or something. He didn't do that with anybody else. This is the thing. There's a knack to this, to be that confident, to just speak up with people, to have these conversations and treat them like they're human. They are human beings just because they're famous, just because they're super important compared to you doesn't mean that they're not a human. The number of doors this has opened for me over the years has been incredible because I've built relationships with some of the most influential people in some of the communities I've worked in without really intending to, but just because I could have honest conversations with them. They've nominated me for awards over the years. They've, you know, told me to apply for jobs. They've referred me for things. It has been truly amazing for my job. And having that ability, whatever stage of your career you're at, doesn't just open doors for you. It also means that once you get to the position where you are working with these people, where you're one of these people yourself, you're going to behave exactly the way you want everybody else to treat you. If you aren't confident in speaking to absolutely everyone from CEOs down to the cleaners, because yes, you need to be able to talk to every single person, (laughs) then that needs addressing ASAP. Okay, number six, do you struggle to think on your feet and identify the core messaging you need in a conversation? You probably know by now, thinking on your feet is one of the most important skills. I think it is fundamental. And I've trained many women in this, and I want you to know this. It can be learnt, honed, and refined. So if you are telling yourself, I can't think on my feet, I want you to know that's your MBS talking, my love. You can learn to think on your feet. There is a recipe for it. I'm not going to go into it on this episode, but it is something that you can do. So if you struggle to think on your feet, that is a core area to work on for your executive presence. Number seven, do you actively think through what does this person need to hear from me and tailor your messaging to their level, experience, knowledge, and pain points? No, you don't do that in every conversation. You're probably thinking, really? Every conversation? Okay, let's exclude the kids and the spouse and the friends. Even then, this can help, by the way. I'd actually say that having learned this one, I am a better communicator with everybody I interact with, including my husband, who normally I just kind of like verbal whatever comes out, (laughs) right? But actually, when I really need him to hear something, I use the same technique. I don't even know I'm doing it. It sounds like very clinical. It's not... But it's about recognizing it isn't about me. It's about them. I need them to hear something. So 
How can I help them hear it? If you don't do that, if you don't actively think, this is thinking on your feet, it's an extension of that anyway. If you don't actively think through, like, what do they need to hear? Why do they need to hear it? How can I get them from where they are right now to where I need them to be? And what's stopping them getting there? Right words, right time, right place, right environment, reading the room and the emotions. And then, of course, conciseness. Not something I'm great at, as you can probably tell from this podcast, but right words, right time, right place, right environment every time, absolutely reading the room. That is something we all need to be doing in every single conversation. Not doing it, that's a sign you need to work on your executive presence. Okay, number eight, do you make swift decisions? Swift decision-making is a must as an executive. You probably know this if you've read anything about being a leader, but sometimes it can be really hard, especially with ambiguity. And the higher up you get in your career, the more ambiguity there is. Aside from anything else, you are never going to have all the data. If somebody knew what to do, they would have already have done it. <laughs> you are paid the big bucks as a senior leader, as an executive, because it is hard, because it's not easy to make those decisions but you still have to make swift decisions because when we don't make decisions, we hold everything else up. We become the bottleneck. Now, there's also, obviously, you need to be able to delegate and all that, but making swift decisions, that's the executive presence piece because there are decisions you are going to have to make and they are hard, they're crucial, and it's something that you need to be able to be able to do on demand. So, you know, you need to have processes and practices in place for everyday decision-making, frameworks. You need to know what is it that I need to know and what is nice to know to help me make this decision. When do you need to just make a decision to get some data to move forwards to remove the ambiguity? Are you making swift decisions? If you're not, you need to work on that to hone your executive presence. Number nine, do you own the stage when you speak publicly? Public speaking, I say speak publicly, and that can apply to anything from a team meeting all the way through to standing on stage in front of 10,000 people, right? Whether it's virtual or otherwise, this is all public speaking and all of it needs you to own the stage. Visibility for you and your company is so incredibly important. And I actually just was speaking to somebody just this week and she's at director level and she was telling me how she's realized that to become a VP, she needs to be more visible online. She needs to be doing all kinds of events and stuff, stuff like that. It isn't that you need to be doing a lot, but you do need to be visible and you need to own the stage. You need to have a core message. It is your brand, right? Have topics that you talk about, that you are passionate about and own the stage. You need to own the room. You go back to item number seven, like what do the people need to hear? Are you tailoring? And bring that in because that helps you own the stage, own the room, whatever stage that is, whether it's a small virtual thing or a huge big in-person thing or anything in between. If it doesn't mean you're not going to get nervous, by the way, and I think a lot of people think great public speaking means you don't get nervous. I have done so much public speaking in my career. Whenever it's something I've not done in a while or I've never done, I do get nervous. But you can still be good at public speaking and have the nerves. The nerves actually, they get to a point where they really help you. They help you think faster and more smoothly and actually hone the way you show up. A little bit of stress, a little bit of cortisol is good for us, just not too much of it. <laughs> so do you earn the stage when you're speaking publicly? If not, you need to work on your executive presence. Number 10, do you have practices, processes, SOPs, and much more to hone and refine every aspect of your daily life? 
executives do not have time to reinvent the wheel on anything. Like the famous one is Mark Zuckerberg, who has the same outfit to wear every single day, right? And this applies to everything we do, right? And not just to the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. That doesn't mean you have to have a terrible wardrobe, by the way. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. But I do want you to save your creativity and problem solving for what really matters. And as women, we still typically hold more of the household burden. Even if there is a 50-50 chore split in your household, we're actually much more likely to do the project management in the house, like the planning at home. So I want you to start making SOPs at home, standard operating procedures. I have checklists and check-in lists and trigger lists for so much in my life. (laughs) I'm going on vacation shortly and I have a standard packing list. Stuff I go through like when I'm packing. like And because we're taking my cats to my parents for our vacation because of what we do, because we're kind of crazy like that. There's a list for like, what do we need to do when the cats are going to my parents? Like there's all these lists that we have so that everything is just super simple. Like I even have a trigger list. This is a list of things I will check in on when I'm like, "Mm, what am I forgetting? I have a trigger list for the groceries in case somebody has forgotten to put something on the grocery list when they've used it up. I'm like, what do I think has been used up? What did somebody say to me that didn't get added to the grocery list? I have trigger lists for emails and birthdays. Like what emails do I need to send out for personal? Like what birthdays are coming up? All that sort of thing. It may sound super cynical, but I actually treat my personal email the same as I treat my work email. So if you've listened to some of my January episodes, you may well know that one of my goals for January is to get back to inbox zero because I fell off that bandwagon at some point last year. I couldn't tell you when, just sort of realized come December, I was like, I have 50 emails in my inbox. This is not how I operate. And I actually treat my, my personal email, which is in a completely different application, so I don't look at it during the day in exactly the same way I treat my work email. And people find that odd. The number of people I know who have great habits at work and they don't translate those to home and they feel slightly overwhelmed. They they open their personal email and have like 20,000 unread emails and just like, oh my God, I just don't want to. And it just exhausts us a little bit. I treat it exactly the same. I have a set of processes that I go through. I might do an episode on this if people are interested about Inbox Zero and how I achieve that. But I have like, it's slightly different tags that I have for my personal because it's like shopping that's not being delivered and stuff like this. (laughs) Whenever I order something, I keep the email in a particular place until the item's being delivered in case they forget to deliver it because I cannot remember all the things I order online because I buy everything online. I keep saying to my mother, if it's not on the internet, it doesn't exist. I don't think she's quite understood how extreme I am about that. (laughs) I'm like, what, you want me to go to an actual physical shop in 2022? It's not going to happen. But having this ability to have these processes and practices as part of your personal life really frees up your precious brain space because that's what it is. It's precious, my love for what really makes a difference in life. Now, that might be solving key problems at work, but it might also be something personal, such as making the best birthday cake ever for your daughter, because that's your passion. Save your brain space for what really matters. Let chores be a plan that is just executed. Okay, last but not least, number 11. You aren't constantly learning, honing, and refining who you are and how you operate. Why is this one here? Executive presence is one of those really annoying things that doesn't stay static. It's a bit like your growth comfort zone, right? Your comfort zone, if you aren't constantly pushing at the boundaries, will shrink. Executive presence is exactly the same. Because of a lot of this, it's about self-awareness, it's about pushing yourself, 
about communication, if you aren't constantly practicing it, honing, refining, improving, one, I think executive presence as the world is rapidly evolving and we're leaning into emotional intelligence and better leadership. I think the parameters for executive presence are changing rapidly and you need to stay up to date. But alongside that, it's one of those things that actually, if you aren't working on it, it does shrink. So if you aren't working on it, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a regular check-in with yourself and like, what is going on? How am I doing in these areas? Do I need to do anything to improve in any areas, any area weak for me? If you're not doing that, I can promise you your executive presence needs work because that is part of executive presence is having that regular check-in. It doesn't need to be a big thing. Some of the executives I work with, it literally is like a one thing once a month, minimal check-in, five minutes. That's it. But make development a cornerstone of your existence and ensure you work on it regularly. Hopefully every day, because that's actually easier than once a month, in my opinion. But just small little check-ins, your career and your happiness will thank me, I promise you. Okay, let's just do a recap of all those 11 things. Number one, do you struggle to get agreement from your team, your peers or your boss? Number two, do you have lots of triggers or triggering people at work and spend time every evening and weekend processing that? Number three, do you fall into defensive mode regularly? Number four, do you actively let go of your emotions between meetings and between work and home or not? Number five, are you confident speaking in front of people far more senior than you are? Number six, do you struggle to think on your feet and identify the core messaging you need in a conversation? Number seven, do you actively think through what does this person actually need to hear and tailor your messaging to their level of experience, knowledge or pain point? Number eight, do you make swift decisions? Number nine, do you own the stage when you speak publicly? One of my favorites. Number 10, do you have practices, processes, SOPs, and much more to hone and refine your everyday life? And number 11, are you constantly learning, honing, refining who you are and how you operate? Those are your 11 key questions to be asking yourself. Go back through this episode if it's kind of just gone whistle stop through and ask yourself, how do I check off under each of those ones? Are there areas to work on? If so, that's a sign it's time to work on your executive presence. But let's finish up today's episode with, as always, a leadership mindset moment. In case you're new around here, a leadership mindset moment is an actual tip to help adjust how you act or think to make it easier to up level so you can take more positive action on the topic of today's podcast. And today we're talking about self-awareness. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> because it really is so important to your executive presence. Like It just helps you refine everything about who you are. It sort of underpins executive presence, your self-awareness. Most people think they are more self-aware than average. And yet that simply can't be true. We can't all be better than average. So I want you to make time to bring daily reflection, honest daily reflection into your life. Pause, recap, allow yourself to be uncomfortable for a moment or two. Was that, was that, did that actually go well today? Oh, I'm getting like chills under my skin. Why am I getting that? What went wrong? What did I not like? If you can bring that into your everyday existence, you are going to get better at self-awareness. And then eventually you're going to get to the point where in the moment you're going to recognize an emotional response that's somehow tainting how you're handling a situation and not in a positive way. Learn how to actually take action during that moment. And that's where your executive presence really starts to shine. Okay, that's it for today's episode. But before you go, do not forget that you can get help with your self-awareness and everything else, executive presence, 
in my shop. So if you're not ready for full-on coaching, but you want a little bit of help, head over to tonycollis.com forward slash shop. And in there, there is my executive presence, the guide to getting unstuck as a leader. It's a six-part training that really takes you through how to demonstrate your innate authority, even if you don't feel like you have any right now. So people take you more seriously and you get more done as a result. You're going to learn about the six components of executive presence that you really need to hone and refine starting yesterday. (laughs) You're going to learn how others actually do see you and figure out where you need to spend your precious time, because I know it's super precious, to get quick results in terms of your executive presence and create that bigger impact. And you're also going to learn how to build a reputation for getting things done without working crazy, without actually changing anything about how you deliver on time or to budget. There is actually just a skill to getting the reputation to being a problem solver. And you're also going to get my authenticity code, how to create the best authentic version of you. Because Executive presence really relies on authenticity, but like, how do, what does that even mean? Like, what is authenticity when it comes to leadership? How do you show up authentically, but not overshare? How do you provide authentic leadership, but still assert your authority? I am dismantling all of that and removing all the mystery inside this training. You can get hold of straight away at tonycollis.com forward slash shop forward slash exec dash presence link in the show notes because that's kind of a long one but if you just get on my website you will find it but until next time remember stay on your tech leadership game follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Women in Tech podcast.